you sing the first verse? Blue stars and rainbows and sunnies from Paris. Oh, what I can see when my Lord's are in me. I know that Jesus is well and alive today. He makes his home in my heart. Nevermore I be all alone and free. Promise me that we never would Hebrews 11, we read about some people who were brave. The first one was Abel. He is my favorite one. This story has violence in it. Someone, Abel, gets killed. This story also has lying in it. Cain says to God that he doesn't know where Abel is when he just kills Abel. I don't like this story because it has violence and lying. I like this story because it has obedience. Sometimes it's hard to obey. Sometimes it means that you have to stop doing something fun and start doing something not fun. Abel put an animal to the altar. Cain put food. God was happy with Abel. That made Cain so jealous he killed Abel. Sometimes doing right makes people hate us. In 1 John 1 says Cain hated Abel because he did right. In Joshua 1, God's people were going to fight a big enemy. God told him to do right. He told him, if you do right, I will never forsake you. Doing right takes a backbone. Be strong and courageous. Don't be scared. Do right. Are we singing There's a Fountain Free? There's a fountain free, tis for you and me. Let us haste, oh, haste to its brink. Tis a fount of love from the source above, and he bids us all freely drink. Will you come to the fountain free? Will you come to the few in me? Thirsty souls, hear the welcome call. Tis a fountain open for all. Joshua. The story I'll be talking about today is the Battle of Ai, where I'll be talking about three main points of this. Num number one, what sin did Israel commit? First, we have the Battle of Jericho, where Achan took the, the cursed things, which made God burn with anger against Israel. But since, none of, since Achan didn't tell anybody in Israel, they tried to take the city, and they lost, losing, causing them to lose 36 men. Now Joshua, he didn't. He had no idea why this happened, and so he went to the Lord and prayed to the Lord and asked him what happened. And the Lord told him that Achan had taken the cursed things, and that for for them to be able to continue with conquering the land of Canaan, they would have to um, they would have to destroy of the cursed things and Achan's belongings. So they did this, and the Lord let. 
and Joshua knew that the Lord was on their side again. Now this story, this first part of the story tells a lot about who the Lord is. It shows that if you pray to him, he will give you an answer in any shape or form. Number two, did God tell them to attack the city of Ai? Now the Lord told his people to conquer all the cities, but no one knew that Achan had taken the curse of things, so they went ahead and tried to attack the city of Ai. The Lord did not want them to lose people, but he had no other choice. Now it doesn't say whether Achan knew that the defeat had something to do with him, but there's a good chance that he had a good idea that it was him. Even though Achan had been the only one who knew about it, all of Israel had to suffer for it. The children of Israel had to take the blame so God could show how serious he was about this situation. In Joshua 7.1, the Bible states, But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, in the tribe of Judah. Now, this showed that the Lord was very particular in how he wanted things done. Number three, what gave them the confidence to go up against the city again? The spies told Joshua to send only two or 3,000 men to go to Ai. The Lord did not influence this decision, but it does show how much faith Israel had in the Lord. When Israel was defeated by Ai, the first time it caused the hearts of the people to melt. This may have discouraged their faith in God, but at the time, they had no idea why the Lord didn't let them win the battle. And Joshua 7, 7 says, And the Lord said to God, And Joshua said to the Lord, Why have you brought these people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Joshua knew that something was wrong with this, and he prayed in God and had faith. But he wanted to know where they had messed up. So, as I previously said, the Lord told him, and he fixed it. He knew that. So, then, this, shows, this whole story shows a lot about how the Israelites trusted in the Lord and how they did and how they could mess up and come back to the Lord. And this also shows that if you pray to God, you can, he'll tell you what you can accomplish and what you need to do right. Six hundred sixty six six zero. there is a habitation. We'll sing the first and last verses. There is a habitation built by the living God for all of every nation who seek that grand abode. Oh, Zion, Zion, I long thy gates to see. portals 
angelic army sing with glorified immortals the praises of its king. My favorite thing to learn about in America's history are the different wars. World War II is one that I love to read about. On the morning of December 7, 1941, at 7.55, Pearl, Pearl Harbor was attacked by Japan. This surprise attack killed 2,402 on the day that President Franklin D. Roosevelt would declare that it was a date that will live in infamy. The United States suffered great loss on that day, but they would fight their way back from defeat to go on to be victorious in World War II. The book of Joshua is filled with many great battles. The battle of AI is one that makes me think of the United States military and their battle back after the attack on Pearl Harbor. In both cases, being strong and courageous despite their first loss were necess necessary character traits for them to have. In Joshua 7, verse 1 through 9, Joshua sends his men to AI to spy out the country. They return to Joshua in verse 3. It says, do not let all the people go up but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not worry all the people there, for, AI, for the people of Ai are, AI are few. Joshua sends 3,000 of his men, and they flee Ai, losing 36 of their own men. Israel had been victorious in all battles, and suffering this loss made the hearts of the people melt, become like water. Even Joshua in this moment felt terrible defeat and questioned God as to why he had brought them here to be destroyed. When, when they find out... Uh, when they found out that the sin of Achan was the source of defeat of Israel, Achan had taken the accursed things from the battle of Jericho, and God had specifically said not to. As a result, Achan and all of his family are destroyed for a sin. In chapter 8, verse 1 through 29, God gives Joshua the amazing battle plan that would lead to the fall of Ai. Listen to verse 1 through 2. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid, nor dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise. Go up to see Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. And you should take due to, to Ai and its king, and you, as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoil and cattle you should take as booty for yourself. Lay an ambush for the city behind it. Joshua was, to, was told to choose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night to stay close behind the city to be ready to ambush Ai. Joshua then would take people with him, and when Ai would attack, Israel would flee. Their gates would be left open with no protection, and the city would be delivered into their hands. The fall of Ai happened just as the Lord said it would. Verse 18 of chapter 8, after the king of Ai has sent all the men to pursue the fleeing Israelites, it says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in your hand toward Ai, for I will give into, into your hand... Joshua obeys, and, and, the, and the ambush quickly arises out of their place. They entered, they entered the city, took it, and set it afire. The men of Ai pursuing Joshua turned around to see the burning city. 
and I caught between Joshua and the burning city, none were spared. The fall of Ai and the battle plan that was executed that day was a moment when the Israelites had to be strong and courageous despite their previous defeat. I know that in the battles that would happen after Pearl Harbor and remembering the fellow soldiers that were killed that day was never far from their minds. Being strong and courageous would be someone's greatest asset on the battlefield. Israel would always have God on their side, and because of that, their strength and courage could not be beaten. Joshua would then build an altar and would read all the word of the law, the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. Verse 35, it says, There was not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, but the women, the little ones, and the strangers who were living among them. Just as the United States showed strength and courage after the defeat at Pearl Harbor, so too did the children of Israel after the first battle of Ai. This would be a day, this would be a day remembered as a day that would live in infamy. This would be a day Israel would be, re, would be remembered for their victory. Five hundred and two. Five oh two. Oh, they tell me of a home. Oh, they tell me of a home far beyond the sky. Oh, they tell me of a home far away. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. Oh, the land of cloudless day. Unclouded sky. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, they tell me of an unclouded day. Oh, they tell me that he smiles on his children there, and his smile drives their sorrows away. And they tell me that no tears ever come again in lovely land of unclouded day, oh, land of cloudless day, oh, the land of an unclouded sky, oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Oh, tell me of an unclouded day. When you think of strong and courageous, what do you think of? What does it truly mean to be strong and courageous? Think with me for a moment of the strongest and most courageous person you know. It could be your favorite athlete or just someone you know personally. One person that comes to my mind is the free soloist Alex Honnold. He is best known for climbing the 3,000-foot-tall wall, El Capitan, in Yosemite National Park without a rope. Imagine climbing 3,000 feet straight up into the sky, and if you make one wrong move, you plummet to your death. Alex Honnold himself said there are times when he climbs without a rope that he gets scared. So you may be asking yourself, how can a person be strong and courageous, yet be scared? Well, if you think of courageous people and courageous acts throughout history, you'll see that courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the overcoming of that fear and gaining the victory in the face of trials. 
Today I will share with you two points about being strong and courageous and why it's of the utmost importance to us as Christians today. In Joshua chapter 1, we see three instances in which God commands Joshua to be strong and courageous. The children of Israel had countless reasons to be strong and courageous and trust in the Lord. They had, they had been shown the power of God many times through the ten plagues, the crossing of the Red Sea, the crossing of the Jordan River, and many other times when God was there to help when they needed it most. God was with them, interacting in their lives and guiding them through the wilderness to the land flowing with milk and honey. After the children of Israel cross the Jordan River, they are faced with many enemies and are tasked with the seemingly impossible, the seemingly impossible job of conquering the land. This is where being strong and courageous became a necessary part of conquering the land. Without God's instruction, coupled with the obedience of the people, the taking of the land would not have gone as we read in the book of Joshua today. Joshua chapter 8 verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid nor dismayed. Take all the people of war with you and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. God had already told his people that everything was theirs. The Israelite people fought many powerful foes, but with God on their side, they had no need to fear. As long as the children of Israel did as God commanded, the land was theirs for the taking. But as we know, the children of Israel were humans, and we as humans are imperfect. In Joshua chapter 6, we read about the famed destruction of Jericho and how God's people marched around the city according to God's instructions. As they obeyed, the great walls crumbled and the city was overtaken. Also, in the next chapter, chapter 7, we see instructions from God concerning the items taken from Jericho and how they were supposed to be put in the treasury of the house of the Lord. Then a man comes on the scene, named Achan, who became filled with greed, took from the spoils, and hid them under his tent. The things he took caused the children of Israel to become accursed. Not only did 36 men lose their life in the battle against Ai, but also Achan and everything he owned was stoned and burned as punishment for his trespass. After the accursed things were removed from the camp, Joshua and the mighty men of valor went back to battle and defeated Ai with a very thought out and tactical approach as given to them by God. Even, the, even though there was sin that caused them to be defeated and lose their strength, after the problem was taken care of, God turned back to the children of Israel and gave Ai into their hands and ultimately the land which had been promised to them. As we, turn our, our, as we turn our attention to making application for us today, much like the children of Israel in the days of Joshua, we must be strong and courageous. There are several reasons that we can do that. One way comes from the Bible and the events that are recorded inside. We also get our strength and courage from our own lives. We see the ways God has blessed us and the ways he works in our lives. Included in that is this beautiful earth he's created for us and the church he has given us to worship with. Just as the children of Israel face many great enemies, we face one great enemy, our adversary, the devil. We read in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8, that we're supposed to be sober and vigilant because our adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. While we may not fight men with swords and spears, we fight a wily enemy who comes at us with all manner of weapons. The devil targets our weak spots, and when we sin, just as Achan did in the book of Joshua, our sin separates us from God. However, as we know from God's divine word, we can come back to him by repenting of our sins, we can be forgiven, and gain the victory. Also, as the children of Israel receive the promised land, we as Christians, if we are found faithful, 
we'll get our promised land, our eternal home in heaven. Reading 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, that it's our inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled, reserved for us in heaven. Paul also states in his letter to the Philippians that our citizenship is in heaven. Philippians 3.20 We have an eternal home promised to us if we are strong and courageous and do all our Heavenly Father commands us to do. In conclusion, we see many comparisons between us today and the children of Israel. May we learn from their story, apply what we can, and realize we have every reason to, to be strong and courageous. May we trust in our Lord and Savior because he is looking after us. May we realize we fight a ruthless enemy, the devil, who will stop at nothing to cause us to stumble and turn from God. May we put on the full armor of God to combat his deceiving lies, and when we are knocked down, may we remember we can have forgiveness, come back with unwavering confidence, gain the victory, and enter our promised land one day. I'll be seen in 655-655. There's a fountain free. There's a fountain free just for you and me. Let us haste, oh haste to its free. There's a fountain love from the source of The song of invitation is 772, 772. Be strong and courageous. What a standard to set, but set nonetheless by our creator. When I was little, probably five or six, I was not strong nor courageous. We had some big storms come through our area. I went to bed, but soon woke up to trees thrashing and storms and winds howling, incomplete darkness. Now little me didn't like not being able to see. I jumped down from my bunk bed and ran to my door, probably kicking and tripping over things the whole way. I got to my closed door and tried and tried to open it, but it wouldn't open. I'm panicking and screaming and yelling for my dad to come save me. Who knows what monsters were about to eat me. I heard my dad run up the stairs to me and went to hide in some corner because he told me to get away from the door. My dad kicked open my bedroom door and scooped me up, a sobbing mess I am by now, but I've never felt more safe in my life than at that moment 
when my dad brought a flashlight, picked me up, and went down into the garage and got under a big workbench. Is that not the most, the most perfect, perfect example of God's love or a father's ability to give strength and courage? Having the strength to push through something shows the courage that backs it. Of course, my dad had the strength and courage to come get his son when I needed him most. Any father would, I hope. But more importantly, knowing that my dad was there put courage into me that I couldn't otherwise get. God is the exact same way. In Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Verse 6. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Be content with what you have. God will never forsake you. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. I can have courage to overcome whatever trials I'm going through. God is there. He is there to strengthen you. In the moment and storms of life, there are many know that God is there. Like any father out there, he knows what you need. He just wants to hear your voice call for him. 1 John 5, verse 14 to 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Many times in the account of Joshua's life, we read of exciting battles fought for land promised to the great-great-great-great-great-grandfather of the Israelite nation, Abraham, in the book of Genesis chapter 15. These battles could not have been won without faith in God. I would argue today that true faith and courage are inseparable. How could you have true faith in, in our God and not have the, sh the strength or courage to do something with that? Could Joshua have half-heartedly marched around the city of Jericho and actually expected it, the walls to fall down? No. Could he have defeated the people of Ai on his own? No, and he sure didn't. A, hum a humiliating defeat right after a mighty victory is a very humbling experience to anybody that's ever played any sports out there. Joshua couldn't have done half the things he'd done with twice as many men if he didn't have faith and courage in the Lord. If asked which is better, dog or cat, I will always say dogs. They bark a lot, little chihuahuas and big German shepherds. The difference is that one's bark matches its bite. You can guess which one that is. We should be the same way as Christians. Not that we would attack anybody. Um, not that we would attack people to make them afraid, but to defend our master, the one that we love and respect. Not that he needs it by any means, but we should defend what he says with religious zeal. Biblical truth, or true biblical strength, is having the bite to match your bark. One does not have courage if they can't or won't act upon it. Again, strength and courage are inseparable. This is shown nowhere better than in the story of Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, also known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had that bite. Not fighting back, but putting all their faith with the Lord. They had faith in God, not that he would save them, but that everything would work out for God's glory. The whole story takes place in Daniel chapter 3. Basically, the king gets angry that they didn't worship him and didn't bow down to him and decides to throw them into a pit of fire. The fire was so hot that it killed the men around it, but the three men were unharmed. They came out of the fire completely unscathed. The king recognizes that their God, the one true God, could save them from men's wrath. In verse 29 of chapter 3, the king makes a decree that anyone who speaks anything amiss the God of the Jews shall be cut into pieces and their house be burnt, because he realized there is no other God who could deliver his followers like this. Being strong and courageous isn't some bumper tag or poster that we can hang up and it still be effective. We've actually got to be living that out for it to be accomplishing what God intended for it, mainly bringing souls, all his creation, back to him. 
returning what Satan took from him from the start. It is our duty, the Great Commission, as found in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20, as mankind to go into all the world, baptizing anyone who would come to know Christ, teaching them to observe all things. Jesus commands this, but he doesn't leave it up to us to find the courage and strength to do it on our own. He reminds us in verse 20, And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Having spiritual strength and courage is no more than trusting that God knows best and that everything will work out for his glory in the end. He is all-knowing, omnipresent, and he will never leave us without hope. Thank you. Chase is going to lead us in our invitation song in just a moment that he gave you just a second ago. But before he did that, or does that, uh, let me just share a few words with you uh, and share the invitation in just a moment. I feel like the first thing I need to do is like shake it out. They're, they're all a little nervous, but they did it. They did a great job. We're thankful for them. Uh, I'm going to talk about the Last Leaders program for just a moment. Uh, the second thing I'd say is I'm not a rep for Last Leaders, although it's worked great things for our family, and so I feel like we can talk about it a lot. Uh, but they certainly have people who go around and share about the program. Um, but we've done a little bit of that already today, so I won't take too much time. Uh, but as Charles stated, and I, I've heard him say it a lot, and I firmly agree with him, uh, the name of the program is typically Lads to Leaders and Leaderettes because we don't want to forget uh, our young ladies and the work that they do, and so we appreciate them. Um, it's easy to say Lads to Leaders. It's easy a lot of times to say L2L, shorten it and that kind of thing, but uh, it's a program, program for all of our young people to participate. The other thing I was going to mention is there's some other young people up here uh, and in our audience today who didn't participate this year uh, for multiple reasons. Some were going to be out of town, some weren't going to be able to be there, that kind of thing. So uh, they have participated before and we hope to continue to add to our program. Uh, the young men that did it today in this format were a part of the program there. If you have your bulletin or had a bulletin or you can take one as you go, you saw their names, but of course that was uh, Campbell Danley leading us in a song, uh, Ezra Giselbach who did his speech and song together, and then these four over here uh, who are a little bit of old pros. They're a little bit older. They've done it before. Uh, Chase and Jacob Edge and Clayton and Caden and Danley. Um, but we're proud of them and the work that they put in to do this. Um, Last Leader started in about 1968. There was a, a man by the name of Dr. Jack Zorn who actually died just a year or so ago. And they did a good job of honoring him at the program this year. Um, but he basically did... <clears throat> excuse me, kind of like we did today. He said, "My the young men in the congregation need to learn how to speak. They need to learn how to read scripture. They need to learn how to lead singing. We want them to be a part of the congregation and learn how to lead. We talked about this in the adult class this morning, but we need to train preachers, but we really need to also train elders. We need to train men to be able to do these things. I've told mine, and I know I tell Chase and Jacob too, uh, I don't care if they don't preach but I hope they'll become Bible class teachers in the least and be a part of the congregation. So learning to stand up in front of a crowd and present a, a lesson is, is part of that. Uh, and so it started in 1968, and it started with eight boys. And from that first year at that congregation, uh, the program boasts that they have over a quarter of a million participants who have gone through the program since 1968. And the one key stat that I heard when we first got involved, and I'll share with you very quickly, is that a lot of congregations lament stories, and the preacher stands up and he says, why are we losing our young people? We're losing our young people. And there's probably some truth behind that. Even today, many young people leave the church as they get older. But the Last Leaders Program boasts, and it's a great thing, that congregations who are involved with their program, with the Lads to Leaders Program, will retain typically 85% of the young people who are involved with that program at the congregation. 
They get involved. They learn to do those things. They practice it when they're young. They continue that when they're older, and they stay a part of the church. And so that's one reason why we wanted to do that, and we continue to do that. As you heard through the speeches, this year the theme was the book of Joshua. Next year, God be willing, the theme is going to be Ezra and Nehemiah, and it deals with building, as that's what Nehemiah talks about, going back and rebuilding the wall at Jerusalem. It talks about building. Um, the two things that we mentioned from the slides this morning, I didn't put those back in the uh, presentation, but there are two kinds of events. One is a year-round event where they do things starting from basically last weekend when they first went to convention all the way through next year convention, or at least the first of the year. Uh, that's the Good Samaritan things. They can do year-round speech, give a certain number of speeches and get credit. They can do year-round song leading, lead a certain number of songs and get credit for that. <clears throat> and let me just, I guess, say this here. The point is not to be the person with the most medals or the most trophies, but it's to help teach our children that there is a reward for the things that we do. Now, yes, they may get a medal or a trophy for this, but, of course, the ultimate reward is heaven, and that's what. We get a reward for the work that we do, but that's a home in heaven. And so we're working for that, in a sense, and Last Leaders helps teach them that, yes, we put forth the effort, and we do these good things, and we can have that eternal reward. Uh, so there are year-round events. The program, the program really pushes those, and we do too. We try to get kids involved. It's not just about one weekend in Nashville. That's what we did a couple weeks ago, last weekend. It's not just about that. It's about doing these things all throughout the year to be well-rounded Christians who are a part of the congregation. That being said, there is, there is a weekend. It's usually always Easter weekend is the main convention weekend. This year there were conventions in Little Rock, Nashville where we attend, Atlanta, Colorado. For the first time, I think this year, if not this year, very soon, there's going to start a convention in North Las Vegas. There's a congregation called the North Las Vegas Church of Christ out there that will be starting one. There's one in Orlando. That's the one everybody wants to go to, but we're not going to Orlando for a convention. Uh, and then there's also one that takes place during the year in India. Uh, there's a couple of preachers and missionaries who have come to the United States and done some training and gone back, and there's the last leaders in India <clears throat> training future Christians, young Christians uh, there. At the convention, they participate in these speeches, the song leading, the Bible bowl, uh, the puppets. We mentioned the puppets, the, the puppet presentation they'll do in a few weeks. The other thing we've tried to talk a few of these boys into that they've, we've not gotten involved with yet. They were going to in 2021 before, uh, or 2020 before COVID hit, uh, but they have a debate program. They can pair up with someone and there will be a topic and they'll learn to debate and have a, a, a good discussion with someone. So those are all things that take place there at the convention. We're at the Opryland Hotel with upwards of, you know, several thousand, it used to be 5,000 to 10,000 Christians all at the Opryland Hotel together, uh, having these, uh, you know, different things that go on, these different events. I want to say thank you real quick to a few people as we get ready to conclude. Charles and Shannon Abels are the, sort of the main head of the group here that get a lot of these things together. Uh, Brian and Corey Sorello are also a part of that and had a big part with us going to convention. Uh, they had to get the hotel rooms. They helped with the food, all those kinds of things. Uh, so it's not wouldn't take place without our adults. And certainly our parents, all the parents who are involved in teaching these young people uh, and helping them plan these speeches and practice at home and that kind of thing. Uh, one other thing is that if, as you exit, they're out in the lobby, right, the medals. As you exit in just a few moments, there is a table in the lobby with their medals and the art, some of the art that they did, the presentation that, uh, that they did, and some of the awards they won. Again, the emphasis is not on winning, 
there are the emphasis on competition is so that the kids will learn to improve themselves. As you think about these young men leading singing, we want them to be the best. The best way to do that very often is learning how to keep time with your hand, learning how to start the song on the right pitch, speaking into the microphone, making sure you're clear. So they're judged on those things to help them improve in that so that they get better. And then, yes, there are awards handed out typically for first, second, and third. But we are proud of all of our kids. Some of them did well. Their medals are out there in place. Others participated uh, and did well and may not have placed in the top three. Our Bible Bowl teams were finalists, uh, kind of in the top 10 or top 10% of their age groups, even though they didn't place in the top three. Um, but all of that is just to try to continue to encourage them to be involved with the congregation now and then to be involved in their congregations as they get older. And so we appreciate them very much. And again, as Charles said, let me just say one more time, if you have any questions about this going forward, we'd love to answer them and get you involved. Adults, we need people to train kids on some of these things, to teach them. One of the programs that we didn't talk about is called Providers and Keepers. Uh, that is to teach the young men to be providers for their homes and the young women to be keepers of the home. They have things like home safety, which includes gun safety, also first aid, things like that. The young ladies can learn how to cook and how to put together a cookbook. The young ladies can learn how to sew, and the, men, and the young boys can do it too. They can do some crossover between these programs. This year, I think they did lawnmower maintenance and safety. Uh, all these things to teach them how to be good husbands, fathers, wives, and mothers. And so we need folks, we need older folks that know some about some of those things to teach them those things. We want to get you involved. Chase is about to come and lead us a song in just a moment. Uh, to conclude our service, as we often say, uh, this is just ma a matter of convenience at the end of our service that we stop and we talk about uh, Heaven's Invitation. If you are here and you're not a Christian or you are a Christian but you've wandered away, we'd love for you to make this uh, your relationship right with God at this time. You don't have to walk out those doors with a question about what were to be your eternal place if you were to die today or soon before we meet again or if Jesus were to return. You can make your life right with God by becoming a Christian, being baptized for the remission of your sins so that the Lord can add you to his church, or you can come back to him. Even as we have done recently, we can pray with you and for you and encourage you. But we're thankful for that opportunity that presents itself even now as we stand together and as we sing.